0: Father, this evening, once again, we come to you. It's been two weeks, Lord, 14 days. We look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. We look to you, the author of life. We look to you, the author of light. You alone have the answer, Lord. No one else has. So we come, sit at your feet, we put aside all the cares of life, and we just say, Father, speak to us. Teach us, prepare us, equip us. Let there be a transference every day Your life for our life. Because it's only one life that overcomes. It's not our life, Lord. It's your life. Speak to us once again. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So this evening as we come back to God, we we looked last evening about how God God uh, divides the church, the people who live in the flesh, the people who live in the soul, and the people who live in the spirit. And if you were perturbed, those who are listening by the morning's word, please remember, if any man is in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation. You just have to believe and just have to keep walking with God because all the people you see who really, really finished well in the Bible are ones who really goofed up in life. Whether it is a David or a Jacob or a Moses or a Paul, all of them really, really were Rubens. They messed up big time, they mixed, messed up. But they understood the power of grace. So don't get all the messages we preach from here is to encourage you. Because all things are possible with God. And all things are possible with him or her who believes. Like even this beginning of this year on that night when we got this promise. Honestly, we didn't even understand (laughs) now what was this all about. Okay, To rise up and build. And here we are rising up, I believe, and building. Okay, but, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 2, 12 to 14. So we go back from there and we see a child, a young man, and a father. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven for you, for, for, for you for his name's sake. Yeah, can you increase the font a little for my sake? I write to you fathers. Okay. Got it? Okay. I'm writing to your fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to young men because you have overcome the evil one. Yes. Go to 13. Because you have overcome the wicked one, I write to you little children because you have known the father. And I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So we looked quite a bit last night about little children. And this morning you heard about the fight of the young men. Okay, we we'll look at all in these things in detail. The reason is, you no, know, like I said, we are. This pandemic is just a sign, and probably one of the biggest signs we have, bigger than the blood moons or anything they were talking about in recent memory. This was the biggest sign any one of us have ever ever seen. But what is this sign about is to prepare for that day. There are. Different schools of thought about rapture. Now, all of them are godly men. So, rapture again is a theological argument. So, let's, let's, I'm, pres- I'm just throwing this out in the, in the air, okay? I'm not an expert on any of these things. Now, they have created this enormous confusion with this disease called COVID-19. Never before. I mean, have ever we seen a disease? I mean, casualty figures, I mean, aren't really big. Okay, aren't really that big to cause this kind of panic. So what is that they know that we do not know? Okay, they'll always use national security and never release anything. So I see one of the solutions they will come up with is unlike any other diseases, ultimately they will come up with a vaccine and they will make it mandatory. Compulsory, everybody has to take the vaccine. And what if you do not take the vaccine? And how do you know you have taken the vaccine? Okay, the vaccination is taken. And they say, you take the vaccine. Like, now we know those people who came from abroad, when they were allowed to release on self-quarantine, they were put a mark on their hand. Okay, you saw the mark on the hand, so you know you were, you were, came and you had a quarantine. What if, at the end of the day, months later, a year later, year and a half later, it will take time, but everybody is compulsory asked to take this vaccine, and the proof of the vaccine is that you receive a mark on your hand or your forehead, so everybody knows you have the vaccine. And if you don't take the vaccine, you are not allowed to buy or sell. Okay. So the resources already we saw that it's with them. They give you what you need to eat. I'm I'm just talking about <coughs> because the system. The dark system behind the open system is preparing for something that has been prophesied. So we are not playing games here. When we take four hours of teaching and telling you there is only one safe place, absolutely one safe place. And then if you don't take the mark, you are in one of those camps. Then nobody will object to you going into that camp. Your religion doesn't matter. There will be no... What? Shahin Bagh, nobody. Everybody will say, these people need to go into that camp. And you will see that ultimately Mm. only one set of people will not take the mark who know the truth. And they will say, we are fine. We will not take the mark. We will go there. You can kill us if you want, but we are not taking the mark. But to come to that point, you should be able to be prepared like Daniel to stand in the Babylonian Academy and say, no, I cannot do this in a small thing. So that's what we are preparing. All the babies will fall away, and their preachers will also tell them that uh, you need to take the mark. you need to take the mark. The government is with you and for you i'm not i'm not I'm saying I have never seen anything worldwide like this which is moving into making people do the same thing and coercion, force, violence uh, everything is being used supposedly for a good cause. right now it looks good. But how will this play out in future? I do not know. So as God's servants, always from the beginning when we started this ministry, our job is to prepare people for worst case scenario. That you stand. When the day of evil comes, stand. And when everything is over, you should still be standing and not fallen away with them. Because the Bible says... There is a great falling away towards the end. How do people fall? When do people fall when pressure comes? When pressure comes and you are never prepared for that pressure. The only way you can prepare people for pressure is within. And nobody saw the strength of Daniel inside. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he was worn out. Maybe he was skin and bones. The thousand mile journey from Jerusalem to Babylon. But nobody saw the strength of his spirit. And then, when a choice was, where there was no choice, he found a choice. And he made a choice. So the strength of a person is not counted how big you are, how smart you are in physical or mental strength. It is ultimately spiritual strength. And that is why the fathers there are called just one thing. They have known him from the beginning. Nothing more told about it. Okay? Young men have defeated the old, the wicked one. So you needed to be either a young man or by God's grace be one of the 144,000 who are all fathers. Let me tell you, all fathers. Okay, they have known him from the beginning and they follow him wherever he goes because they followed him here wherever they led, he led them. Okay, you cannot follow him there by sight when you have been followed him here by faith. Okay, so that's what we all are trying, and we are all in the race. All of us are in that. all of us are getting convicted, all of us are preparing, but all the young ones sitting over, all the children of God, I say, listening, I say, don't feel condemned, because this is not Old Testament, this is New Testament. New Testament is you replace your life with the life of Christ Jesus, and he's a God of mercy, and his mercies are new every morning, and You have to believe in the power of the blood of Jesus, that if you confess, he is faithful. And scripture says the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness. You have a fresh start all over again. Because God is for you. He's not against you. And it's not only God is for you, the, your father is for you. And that is the beauty of Jesus' prayer, our father. And I know, we are all fathers. Vijay is here as a father. I am here as a father. Oh boy, our children want our help in spiritual things. Other things we help. But spiritual things, if they were come to me, we would never be tired. You would sit with them. We sit with them. And we would help them, you know, through the way through. Because our heart is that you should do well. And if we being evil fathers have that heart for our children, how much more, how much more is our father? So you have to read it that way. So we will, <clears throat> we will look at a child becoming the process of becoming a young man. And like I'm saying, we we will do, we won't do this sloppy business. I don't want sloppy business in the kingdom of God. If you go to Jeremiah chapter eight, and that's why we are willing to take time two hours a day, four hours a day, as long as this lockup continues, we will go. We will go through it. <coughs> and those who are seriously, seriously interested, many of them pastors listening, you will take it to your congregation. Eight eleven, Jeremiah eight eleven and twelve. <coughs> okay israel is in a massive real 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 trouble and they're going into captivity and this is the only man who's speaking to them everybody is saying no 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 and this man is saying you are going this is captivity is here nothing is happening and all the other prophets he says this is what they did they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying peace peace when there is no peace why were they ashamed when they had committed abomination no They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall in the time of their punishment. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. God is saying, when I preach repentance to you, your repentance was so light. It was so light. That's what it means. They healed the hurt of the daughter very lightly. When they needed surgery, they put a band-aid. And we will not put a band even for ourselves. We go through. That's why the message is sometimes we, we are balancing the zeal of God and the mercy. We are not leaving you without mercy. But to receive the true mercy of God, the work God does in us also should be deep. And what they did was that because of the preaching, even when people did something, they were not ashamed. Because the preaching was like that. God loves you. Doesn't matter. We are living in the age of grace. It does not matter. No. So that's what they're talking about. And that's what the prophecy, the the warning in the book of Thessalonians the last days. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come. So keep all these pictures in mind. And in this Incredibly beautiful time God has given you to be alone in your homes. Spend time with God after each message. Let the whole the whole message may be two hours, but or maybe only one line or two lines or one issue may be what God is dealing with you today. Take it to God, let Him deal do a deep work in you, put it open before God, confess it, get rid of it, ask the grace of God so that when you come back, you never go back to that again. Allow God to work in your lives day by day. So we saw last night, we were looking at a child who's going to become a young man. His name is Joseph. And we see Joseph, when he is born, grace comes into Jacob's life. But let's see before the birth of Jacob, how God is at work. In uh, Genesis 29 and verse 31, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. This is one family in Canaan, okay? This is what God says. He watches, okay? It's one family. That family has taken His name. Most of the family members do not know His name at all. Now He is in a foreign land. He's in a strange country. He's not in the promised land, okay? So we have no record of Isaac at all, or what's happening with Isaac, Rebecca. We don't know anything that's happening with any one of them, because they have kind of Moved into the spiritual stupor, And here is one man and his eye is on him. And he looks into his house and he sees, sees that he has sex with his first wife, but he doesn't love her. While he has sex with his second one and he loves her. So what did God do? God is a God of love. He opened one's womb and kept the other shut. He's watching the bedroom. Okay, he's watching the bedroom. He's watching the bedroom. God watches our life, and he does not see the act, he sees the heart, he sees the heart, only God can see the heart, and he sees the heart, what did he do, he saw Leah was unloved, it's not that Leah was not having sex, that he was not having sex, because then he cannot open a womb. She is having sex with her husband, but she is unloved in the act. So what did he do? He opened her womb. He opened her womb. Okay? But Rachel was barren, And he saw, I'm adding it there, he was having sex with Rachel and he loved her, but he kept the womb shut. Okay? That's how this story begins of Jacob. And 30 <coughs> and verse 1. Chapter 30, verse 1. <clears throat> when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Okay? Things are coming out. Andar hmm? Kamal Whatever is inside comes. Okay? Her husband loves her. And he spends most of the nights with her. But then she looks on the other side and she sees her sister is having children. She envied her sister and said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. After envy comes threats. I will commit suicide only. Okay? okay. So things are coming out of Rachel which we did not know. Otherwise, if these records are in there, we will not know who we are. It is situations that show who we are. So, okay. So her. What is inside her comes out. Envy comes out. Threats comes out. And then in verse 3 scripture says, she says, here's my maid Billa. Go into her and she will bear a child on my knees and have children. So she, now she entices her husband to her maidservant. I wish Jacob had told about what had happened to her, his grandfather. We don't know. He must have told. Okay? So you will see now, envies, suicidal or threats, entices her husband to sleep with her maidservant. And then you go further. Now she has those children with the servant. Verse 15. We saw that in the morning. Okay. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. She sells her husband for mandrakes. She sells her husband. Okay. Now it's interesting if you have listened to today's message about man and rake. What is Drake? Dragon. Okay. You kids were not even born. When we grew up, when we were children grew up, the comic we all read was Mandrake, the magician. Enticed all of us, Phantom and Mandrake. You have no clue. This is all being set even before you were being born, our minds. And Mandrake works for an unknown group of people. Who control the whole world and they're called Octagon. You are new, like the Illuminati, you never see them. And his name is Mandrick, serving the dragon. Okay? This is what we grew up, our diet, when we grew up, comics, Mandrick, Phantom, Flash Garden, Outer Space, all these aliens and all. You think? You see, when we grew up, Man had just started one step on the moon, but imagination had gone much, much, much further. Okay, so a lot of crazy things are happening, which we don't even know of. So she now sells her husband. And then, verse 22 says something happens. 30, 22. Yeah, 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her. That means she prayed. Okay? but even this you need to this is a supernatural act of God you always have to read construction of sentences if God doesn't remember me I will not even pray yes. Yes. even my prayer genuine prayer which God hears it's the first act is by God God remembered me that's why, that's why God remembered me that's why I remember to pray and we will say you know what today wow I remember to pray God says no I remembered you that is why you remember to pray and then, so always it moves from God. That is why at the end of the day, nobody will boast. God will say to us, me, through you, everything was my work. God remembered Rachel. She prayed and God listened to her and opened her womb. Okay? And that's how Joseph is born. Joseph is born. When Joseph is born, verse 25 says, Jacob wants to leave twenty five. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away. That's a true work of grace in a person's life. Okay, understand. When grace comes, you want to start, you start an issue, you have suddenly you have an issue with the world and with sin. You realize, no, I've been born again. And this world is not my place. And sin is not my habit. Well, it was your habit righteousness is in my habit i have to do do one thing i need to separate change my habitation that's a true work of grace so when joseph is born jacob understood you have you are tired of serving sin laban is your master you're tired of serving sin and you want to leave and go. But because he's a fearful man, he will go. But you will see Laban catches him, and God has to intervene. It's like Pharaoh pursuing Egypt. and God has to intervene and destroy Pharaoh. God has to intervene and tell Laban, leave him alone. And then Laban goes back. Okay, So you will always see, whenever you try to leave the yoke of bondage, there is somebody who will always try to pursue you. And God has to intervene. Whether it's your own father-in-law or whether it is a Pharaoh. OK, the attitude of the devil is the same. He will pursue you and you have to stand there strong. Okay, So here is Jacob going with his family. It's a huge group of people, servant mates and all the flocks and his uh, 14, uh, no, 11 children. Benjamin is not born. And if I'm right, I don't know whether Dina was born then. Dina is the final daughter of Leah. Leah has Dina. So, Leah has six children, four by the concubines. Dina is born by then? Okay, Dina is also there. So, he has 12 children now. Only Benjamin is not born. Benjamin is born on the way and she dies. So, they are leaving. So, when they are leaving, he is frightened. He is very, very fearful man because enemy behind has been handled. What about the enemy in the front? There is enemy in the front. Okay, this is all a picture of Israel. Pharaoh is gone. What about the Canaanites? Okay, Pharaoh is gone, Laban has been dealt with, Esau is there. Okay, so it's all a picture because in him is the seed of Israel. But, he deals, we are not going to Jacob's history as God has dealt with him, he comes and Esau is there in the front. Okay? If you go to Genesis 33 verses 1 to 3, this is a spiritual journey of a person. Spiritual journey. And, uh, 33 and verses 1 to 3. Quickly, okay. Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. Lifted his eyes and he saw Esau coming. His brother in the flesh coming with 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants in their children in the front, Leah and her children behind and Rachel and Joseph Last. Then he crossed before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So when you, when you begin your spiritual journey, if you go to verse two, if you go to verse two, when you begin your spiritual journey, everybody is a child. Everybody is a child. You have to protect your faith because it's very weak. Very weak. So even in the church, newborn believers need the maximum attention and care. That's why Joseph is last. Look over there. Joseph is last. He said way he needs the most cover he needs. So you have to guard your faith. You have to guard your faith. Because that's the most valuable part of your spirit of what you have. Okay, so now we will proceed. Now that Joseph has been protected and they come through, we shall proceed and please all dear ones who are listening, there's no condemnation. Okay, Pastor Vijay was talking about and we saw in Romans chapter 8 how the law of the spirit of life enables you to defeat the law of sin and death. It's not one is cancelled, no. The law does not go away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my law will be there till then. The law of sin and death has not passed away. But you are using another like aerodynamics, right? It's like another law to overcome or supersede this law. The other law is always there. So if you come down, this will take over. That's why God says, walk by faith and faith alone. Don't ever think the other law is not there. It is still there. It's still there. You have to escape it only by one way. That is the law of spirit. Okay. So that is grace. That is what God is called grace. Okay. So the virus that is outside, like you heard in the morning, is testing us. But it's also building immunity. Faith is also being tested. And it should also build immunity to the world. Also build immunity. Once you come out of this, you should have built your really, really become immune to the world. God has shut you down from everything. But I don't know whether people are really becoming immune because the internet is still there. The world can still come into your home. Okay. Some Turn to Genesis 37 verses 1 to 3. So, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, okay? So, we don't have the history of Joseph's childhood. That means he came through. Now, we are seeing a young man, a child who is transitioning to a young man. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with sons of Bilha and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. That's how the record begins. Okay. He is no longer a child. Okay. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. 17 verse 30. 30 30. 30. 30, 30 Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked But now commands all men everywhere to repent, okay? All the sins of our childhood, if you cross over, the father overlooks. It's not recorded. He's just waiting for you to... I mean, father sitting here over there. Our children gave us a lot of trouble when they were very small, but we don't remember anything once they transited. (laughs) No nights, nights and nights, nights, no? 48 hours and I all remember carrying one little one without sleeping. Day and night crying, 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 you know. But you do you and don't even, doesn't even cross your mind. Those things don't even cross the trouble they give you to eat. No, they don't want to sleep. They fuss over all. Oh, Thing, you know, sitting and rocking them, rocking them, rocking them, and you stop, they're still wide awake. Again, rock, 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 sing. If you stop singing, they open their right? eyes. Rock and sing, sing and rock, rock and sing, and sing, and <laughs> sing and rock. No? All this stuff which we do. Do we remember that? Okay. I mean, for God, the sins of that childhood stage of a person who comes to God and in the initial parts of his growing period are like that. He ignores all that. But you have to transition, okay? Don't remain a baby. Otherwise, all the baby records will come out. Okay? The baby records will come out. <laughs> we don't want baby records. So Joseph has no records. Everything has been dealt with. Everything has been dealt with. The first mention of Joseph, if you look over there, Scripture says he was feeding the flock with his brothers. As see transitions. The first mention of Moses after he leaves Egypt, of course. There's no record after that. He was feeding the flocks of his father-in-law. Okay. If you turn to 1 Samuel 17, 16 or 16, 16? 16, hmm? 16, 16. 16, 16? Yeah. 16, 16? 1 Samuel 16, 16. No, 1716. Am, am I? No, no, no. I, I, how did I get it wrong? It is 16 that I know. Yeah, 1611. Yeah, 1611. 1611. Yeah, 1611. Got it? Yeah, 1611. Samuel just said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest and there he is keeping the sheep. So the first time David is mentioned, he's also taking care of his father's business. Okay. The first time you meet Alicia, he's taking care of his father's business. Okay. Please understand this. Please be very, very careful. And the first time Jesus is revealed to us, he's taking care of his father's business. So be very careful. Don't, don't ever take work lightly, which God has committed into your hands. Okay. When you meet Gideon, he's in the wine press, threshing wheat. When you meet Nehemiah, he's a cup bearer. Okay, serving his king. So every all the disciples, when Jesus called, they were at work and they left and followed him. So be very, very careful about it. Like, I think it is Zach Poon and I heard many years ago, God has never called a lazy man. (laughs) God has never called a lazy man. Okay? So be very, 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 very careful about it. So when Jesus, if you remember, we sang that song also today. When Jesus asked, uh, his disciples asked Jesus, uh, teach us to pray. So he said, our father. Who out in heaven, right? Our father. Jesus had many, many interesting revelations of his father. Many revelations of his father. And one of the revelations of the father we miss is, is because there is only one line in the entire New Testament. Four Gospels, one line. He gives, okay? Because we always think about uh, on the seventh day God rested. The problem is after that man fell. And after that, God's creation has never given God rest. Never given God rest. Okay. In John chapter 5, 16 and 17, it's on a Sabbath day. And they were very upset. The Pharisees were very upset. For... For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on Sabbath day. And verse 17. And Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. This is the only line which tells you the father has never ceased working. He's still working. You think he's resting, but he's working. Okay. And he says, the father and I are always working. So he says, you think it's Sabbath. But we don't stop work on Sabbath, because if God stops working on Sabbath, we die. Okay, we die. God never stops working, okay? The work that never ceases, okay, the work that never ceases is the work of the Father. So how do we see work as toil or redemptive? Redemptive. In Luke chapter 19 verse 12 and 13, talking to A parable about the kingdom. No. Luke nineteen, and as they heard these things, he spoke them. Yeah, yeah. Go to twelve. You went to two. Yeah. A certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. This is Jesus Christ himself. And when he before he left, what did he tell all of us, his children? He called ten of his servants, delivered them ten minas, and he said, "Do business till I come." Occupy. Occupy till I he says okay Okay. there is no excuse duty triumphs over everything so you will see in this crisis that is happening why do people applaud one set of people you can't say family father mother wife children all the doctors essential they are working 24 7 especially in those areas you will see essential services no you will see. It's duty. So what about us? We are God's essential services forever until He comes. Okay? Please understand this when it comes to work. And we have to ask the nature of our work. I'm not talking about ministry. Wherever God has placed you, do you see your work has redemptive? you? Maybe in a company. If you allow God into your company, into your life, when you go to your workplace, your work becomes redemptive. And it's no longer a toil. It's no longer a toil. It becomes a joy. Okay. So here he is 17 years old. We go back there. We go see he's 17 years old. And he's working. It's only 17 years old. Only 17. He's a young boy. All the other brothers are much, much older. He's the youngest of the lot. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, we'll keep on going back to Genesis 37, okay? Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. And the Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth, for you will go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you shall speak. What is the excuse Jeremiah made? I am a? Joseph did not make that excuse. He did not say, I am a youth. Okay, he did not make any excuses. There are different excuses we can make which to escape the work of God. One of the ex this thing is I'm a youth. And Joseph was the youngest in his family, and he's got ten elder brothers, and his father has got plenty of servants. Okay. And then if you go back to Genesis, uh this thing He the lad was with the sons of Bilha and the sons of Zilpha. Okay. So Joseph is being, is being trained and trained early in life. You cannot choose where God puts you. The company God puts you. You cannot choose that. Okay. You cannot choose your company. You cannot. He did not complain about the company. Remember, these are the sons of the concubines. So they will be the most bitter inside, because they are not even the sons of the wives. They are the sons of the concubines. Okay, A father has two wives, and they are sisters and maidservants, and all of them are growing together. And you know, sons of the wives, sons of the concubines, son of the wife that is loved, Son of the sons of the wife which is not loved. So there are three categories in that house. Four categories. First category, son of the one who is loved. Second category, son of the wife who is not loved. Third category, the sons of the concubine of the one who is loved. Fourth category, sons of the concubine who is not loved. All categories are there. Okay? All categories. <laughs> And in the middle of it, the one who is the youngest is sent with probably the nastiest four. And you know how bullying did not start yesterday or today. It started from Genesis. Mm. They will be the meanest and he is the most vulnerable. He is also most vulnerable. I will tell you why. If you look at all, even my five children, if they want anything, they go to Ma. And the Ma will tell me. This is this, Mary worship has started in the family before it came outside. Okay? And uh, you guys were sitting here and laughing in the church. I also know if there is anything in the church, you go there. And I don't listen at all. I said, I will not allow that in the church. Let them come to me. Okay? That's what children do. Who do they go to? One father and the mothers. So you have trouble. Who do you go to? Your mother. The mother reports to the? But he has no mother. He's vulnerable. He has no mother. He has no mother to go to. Okay? Please remember, he is very, 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 very vulnerable. But do you believe that God places us in the midst of fallen people and not saints, so that he can make saints out of us? We can't choose our company. He chooses our company for us, because that company will ultimately make us who we are. Make us who we are. That's why I said you are actually defined by your enemies, your response to your enemies and not by your friends. You have to see redemption in everything. The work you do, the company you work in, Because this is the work of God. I mean, we can't say, Lord, please, Lord, please place me in this beautiful company, Lord, run by this believing manager, Lord, where all the workers are like saints, Lord, so I can grow among the saints. He says, but you will remain evil. You will never change. Because it is other people who will cause what is outside to come out. You live among saints and you are not a saint. You will always think you are a saint when you are not a saint. Okay, so God says, no, my plans for you is different. Don't you know what is the work of salvation? It is redemption, yes, after that is sanctification. It's like the old preacher said, God said, carry your, pick up your cross and carry. Sister hammer and brother nails will be provided on the way. That he never said you need to carry. You only pick your cross. Hammer and nails you'll find plenty on the way. Why has he gone? Somebody will hammer you. One. And when you react, God says, see, that's, that nail brought it out. That one knock brought it out. You didn't know you had it inside. Right? I revealed it to you. So you just carry your cross, hammer and nails will be provided on the way. So if grace is what we are leaning on and not self, then whatever situation we are placed in, we will come out better. Better. 1 John chapter 4, 4, even to children, this is what is said. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If you are a child of God, you need to realize there is somebody inside you and is greater than the one who is inside those who are outside. Okay, so God always wants to reveal himself through his children. And then we will not conform to the world that is around us. And Samuel, Daniel, these are all examples, okay? It also will expose to us where we are actually weak. Okay? Actually weak. It will expose. So if you go back to 37 and verse 3, first we see him at his work. Second we see he doesn't complain about the company he has. And third, uh, no, verse 2, sorry, verse 2. Okay? Verse 2, we see, Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So Jesus said, this is how you need to pray. Our father. Are you at your father's work? Are you zealous for your father's work? Are you complaining about the work the father has committed into your hands? Do you find it toilsome? Do you find it weary, the yoke that is upon you? That's the first thing. Second thing is hallowed be thy name. And you will see Joseph was zealous about his father's name. You know? lot of young people have what is called mob loyalty. They have loyalty. Loyalty, it's a good thing. But if it stands in isolation, it is not a good thing. You should be loyal to your father in heaven, not loyal to your mob. So these ten guys were up to no good always, but they had a loyalty. They were loyal to each other and not loyal to their father. But there was this eleventh guy who was loyal to his father. When you are loyal to your father, they will always accuse you of being disloyal, loyal to God, loyal to your father in this case. That is what happens, okay? He was zealous for his father's name. That's why he brought a report about his elder brothers, and he didn't go to anybody, he went straight to his father. If you go to everybody else, then you are a talebearer. bearer And the Bible has very strong words for tale-bearers and gossipers. But when you go straight to your father, then God has no issues with it because these things have to be dealt with by appropriate people, not by the others. Okay? So the first question God asks after that, after the things, actually the third question God asks is, are we zealous for his name? In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 16, we looked at 13, 14, if my people who are called by name, And then God says, I have chosen and sanctified this house and my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. And we know now we are that house and he's put his name on us. And God says, are you zealous for my name? How zealous are we for God's name? And the first thing when Jesus goes to Jerusalem in his ministry, the first thing that revealed is he was very zealous for his father's house because his father's name was on the house. There were so many other places in Jerusalem where so many worse things may be happening. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't go anywhere where crooked and corrupt and immoral activities and all were taking place. He wasn't bothered about any of those things. He didn't go anywhere and tried to straighten people out. He went to one place in the city where his father's name was given. And he turned it upside down because he was zealous for his father's name. How zealous are we for God's name. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 19. Chapter 2 and verse 19. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are is. And everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's Morning's message. Depart from iniquity because you have taken my name. And if you do not know the iniquity that each one is caught in, then we will, as the word goes, the spirit of God will reveal to each one whatever iniquities we are, we are shaped in. The old man is shaped in and let him depart from it because we are zealous for his name. Okay? He went to his father. He didn't run around. He didn't become an activist. There are a lot of activist Christians. Okay? They forget God. They have left and they all become act. Now they have a cause. Global warming and this one. All are Christians by name if you look who are all activists. You know? They have become a cause. If you're worried about global warming, then what you should be actually preaching is what is causing this warming is sin. It's not the sun. The sun is not what is causing the, because the when the new creation and the new this thing, everything is, I mean, even the 1,000, uh, I can prove to you from scripture, when Jesus comes back and the world is being run by him and his saints for a thousand years reign, you will see the firmament he removed during Noah's days will be put back so that there is no global warming. There will be no global warming. The earth will flourish like anything, absolutely flourish like anything. You know, So God has a solution, but man doesn't want God's solution. Because if you have God's solution, you need to depart from sin. And they don't want to depart from the sin, so they all become activists. At small levels, bigger levels, everybody becomes activists. Because they are not able to go to God with their prayer. If you go to God with your prayer, you don't become activists within the church too. Okay. So God is saying, Did you see Joseph? There is an issue with his father's name. He took it to his father and he left it at that. He didn't deal it with that. He left it with his father. You deal it whichever way you want. It's my job to know that your name is getting messed up. So the question God asks us is, how zealous are we about God's name in ministry? Even in ministry, are we zealous about his name in little, little things? In Third John 6 and 7, which 99% of ministries have not even noticed or don't believe in, Third John, who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. He says when you send people out for ministry, send them in a manner which is worthy of God. You do well if you do that. How? Because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. Why did they go out? In his namesake. And because they went out in his namesake, even if Gentiles offered them an offering, they didn't take it for ministry. Because they were jealous for his namesake. What about ministries, online ministries today? They will take from anybody, from the mafia also. They have no issues. No issues. And much of Catholic Church's money comes from the mafia offerings. They have no issues. No issues at all. Because they are not zealous for His name. They are zealous for their name. Because they need money to build their edifice. They are not building God's kingdom. If God's kingdom you are building and then his name is very important for you how you do your work and what you do with your, where your resources come from. All this becomes very, very important. I'm showing you how a baby Christian transitions into a young person. That's why, like you were talking about in um, Nigeria, you have these two big names, one from U.S., one from, we're not naming names. They have praying, have a mass prayer meeting for uh, COVID-19. And at the end of their, what is flashing on the screen? Hundred ways in which you can send the money. What do they need money? You're all locked up, right? You don't understand. What do they need money for? Even you seeing a disaster when people are really, really, really struggling to make money for yourself. That's what the Bible is talking about. You know, sometimes you tell they have no shame at all. Okay. The Bible is, like I said, very, very silent about it. Did God, uh, did Jacob correct the sons of Bilal and Zilpha? Did he? Bilha and Zilpha? Did he? Bible is very silent. But knowing a father, he must have corrected them. But I them and said, what are you guys doing? Huh? It's not the way to act. Okay. The question is. Can we accept correction? This must have been the cause for the beginning of their hatred for Joseph. No? Do you hate the hand that disciplines you? Do you hate words of correction? No. Otherwise this COVID-19 also will go. Do you see this COVID-19 as a hand of God over his children to correct their ways? Why are you getting mad at God? In First Kings chapter 18, 16 to 17, when the heavens were locked up for three and a half years, and God wants to release the rain on the people. So obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And look at his response. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? How does he see the hand of God? How does he see God? How does he see God's servant? You are a troubler of Israel. Okay. How do you see the hand of God over your life? Otherwise, everything is wasted. All this is wasted. All that God is trying to do to bring the church back to himself is being wasted. Three and a half. We have just crossed 14 days. That was three and a half. No rain, no dew. No rain, no dew. At the end of it, what does he say? You troubler of Israel. Saul did not like correction. The problem is when you don't like correction. Saul did not like correction. And the result of it is First 1 Samuel fifteen thirty-five. Fifteen, thirty-five. Got it? Samuel went to no more see Saul until the day of his death. Right? God says, you don't want my correction? You will no longer receive correction. Until the day he died, he said, you will not hear. Those days if you have to hear from God, you have to hear from through his prophet. The prophet was told you will never speak to him again. Finished. You don't want correction? I won't give you correction. Go your way. Go your way. You know. In Samuel 28, 1 Samuel 28, verse 5 and 6, the manhood refused correction. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Refused to answer it. Uh, There was a time in your life I was trying to correct you, but you refused my correction. You did not want my correction. So now you are in trouble, you call out to me, I am not going to answer Okay, so this is where we take warnings. Very, very, very careful. That's why the Bible is always, like in the New Covenant, it is not prophet or dream or urim or anything. It is the Holy Spirit. He said, I will give you, He will be with you, He will be in you, He will be forever. And He is your counselor, He is your guide, He is the one who teaches you. Everything is the Holy Spirit. Even as a servant of God has to come and speak, the Holy Spirit has to speak through Him and the Holy Spirit in you is what causes you to receive it. And therefore, all the warnings in the New Covenant is with the Holy Spirit. Don't test the Holy Spirit. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. All these warnings are about the Holy Spirit. Okay? And what is the, the sign of the Antichrist? reign slowly rising? The Holy Spirit, that is the restrainer is being removed. He's the restrainer. He's the one who is being removed and lawlessness starts increasing. So we have very careful about how we deal with the Spirit of God. And God, even in Noah's time before judgment came, what did he say? My spirit will not contend with man forever. And about Israel in the wilderness, if you read the Old Testament, God says very clearly, they, 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 he uses that word, they grieved my spirit in the wilderness. Does his spirit and he's very sensitive about his Holy Spirit, very sensitive about his Holy Spirit, and we need to be very, very sensitive too. So in John chapter seven and verse seven, word says, "The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that it works sorry. Why did they? T- why did they hate Jesus? Because he revealed their wickedness." So God says, do you hate those who reveal your failings, your frailties, your wickedness? Do you hate them? Mm. Do we hate those who point the evil of our works? No? God used Pharaoh and Abimelech to point out Abraham's failings. Okay, so as you go through this transition period, learn about transition period from a baby to a young man, you have to see in that Verses connected with yeah, but let's go back to thirty-seven, three and four. Okay, first thing we need to know is that the nature of the father. The father and I are at work from the beginning. We are still working, and Joseph, who is only a youth, is working. He does not make any excuse about his youth. He does not make any excuse of the company, and is very zealous for his father's name. Okay, and leaves it to his father how to deal it. Okay, and then when you come to verse four, scripture says. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors, okay? Now, we will think about it and which is true, yeah. Um, Let's go to, yeah, stick there itself, no? Many, many colors. So, you will see, yeah, let's read four also. When his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Okay, if you look at a typical parental, this thing, it was wrong. Let us say wrong what uh, Jacob did, favoritism or anything. But let's leave Jacob alone. Okay, Jacob alone. Scottish teaching us pictures. Can we handle it if someone receives more attention than us? Can we handle if someone younger than us in this period receives a gift greater than us? It is not just a test for Joseph it's a test for everybody all the others can we handle it god jacob okay i have i have i have what you say i have uh I have compassion for Jacob because I understand. You see, when that little baby with the cleft palate Mathulika used to be with me, I used to take her home every day. Now she's not my child, but I loved her like my own. So, she was a little baby and she used to tell everybody, na papu, okay? And if anybody called me papu, she would get very mad, na ko, na papu, na papu, okay? So one day when we were sitting over, uh, we were having dinner and Ma was sitting here, I was sitting here, she was sitting here. After two minutes, she will always say, um, I sit there, I sit there. I said, your plate is there, your food, no, I sit there. Then I put her on my lap and she eats my blood. And Andrew is sitting opposite the thing. Andrew said, oh, Papu, uh, hand me a chapati, okay? And she looked at me. And I said, he's my son. Yeah, he can call me Papu. <laughs> you know, you think the child was not intelligent. She was so smart. She understood immediately. That's my son. I am also your daughter. He can call me Papu. After that, whenever he calls Papu, she had no problem. But anybody else called me Papu, she had problems. She would never. Andrew every calls Papu anytime he calls, She looked at me and smile. Okay, that's also your son. I understand it. And you think kids? You're three years old. We're just three years old. Three years old. Okay. Now, why did I give her more attention than my own son? She's the small one. She's the weak one. She's the motherless one. He's the youngest. He's the motherless one. The father shows a little. If you know the Christmas story, the Christmas, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Albert, uh, uh, Charles Dickens, the... Uh, what is that Christmas story, famous one is there, no? in that one of the ghosts will take uh, that Uncle Scrooge to that house or so this family of his assistant where they are all sitting, and there is this little boy who is lame, called Tiny Tim or something and all, and they all show so much love and favor for that little one, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, the youngest, the weakest is the one you always show the most concern. Does that upset you? Here's the question. They were all very upset because the father gave a quote. He's an old man. This is a child of his old age. That's what ma and I used to do. This is the daughter of our old age. In our old age, we got a baby. We got a baby. Okay. And are you jealous about it? I was least bothered. He wasn't bothered at all. He used to carry her. And she used to play with him and all. But he wasn't bothered at all. The fact that I am sitting there, she's sitting next to my dad, she's sitting on my lap, she gets the freedom which I don't get, he wakes up first for her, he sleeps, puts her to sleep, he's there for a day and night at her beck and call. He had no issues at all. She does no all. You know? He had no issues at all. But they all had issues. You remember this is one of the tests they will have to go through before their redemption. When he will have a feast in their house and they're all sitting and scripture says they were shocked that everybody was seated according to their age. How did he know our age? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven is he and twelve. And Benjamin was given five times extra in his plate. Why? Deliberately to check. How are they reacting? They were cool. They were fine. They were fine. What caused them? Fine. The famine brought them to that situation. Their heart was revealed and they are putting it all right and now they are okay with the younger one, the youngest one getting more. It's a test of our heart because unless God tests our hearts, we will all think we are ready for the crown. God says, no, you will just get a big frown. (laughs) not a crown. You have no clue. I have to reveal what your heart is really like. That I said, if you are placed among saints, we think we are saintly when we are not at all. We are not at all. Okay. So that's what's happening over here. Okay. That's what God is teaching. So can we handle if someone else receives more attention? If someone younger gives, because our Father in Heaven gives. Okay. gifts. You know how trouble in the outside the garden began? Because the younger one's offering was accepted and yours was not. I'm sure looking now at Cain's art, if God had rejected both, you would have been okay. It's okay. There are a lot of guys like that in the class. You also failed, I also failed. <laughs> no problem. But the problem is you passed, I failed. <laughs> That's the problem. You passed, and you are the younger one. I failed, and I worked harder. Why? Because I had to till the ground. You just went after this fellow, man, 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 man. Some of the grass you ate was my grass. <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? You copied. First you copied and passed. You looked into my answer paper and you passed. Okay, Abel didn't do that. God would have accepted it. But very trouble begin outside the garden? Because the younger one caught God's eye. The other one was upset. But God is God. is a good God. He's saying, "Hey, hey, hey, son. Wait a second. If you do right, well, won't you also be accepted? Won't you also be accepted?" One of the Proverbs says, envy is the rottenness of the bones. Oh, yes. <laughs> rottenness of the bones. Your bones are rotting. Envy. Envy, you know the pattern. Envy leads to hatred. Hatred leads to murder. Pattern is always there in the Bible. How did Satan become a killer? Just envy. Envy. I am the smartest. But then, there is somebody higher than me. Why can't I be like him? Okay? Why can't I be like him? A sound heart is like that. But envy is rottenness to the bones. Okay? Handle envy. Church, handle envy. Acts chapter 7 and verse 9. Acts 7 and verse 9. Got it? Acts 7. The patriarchs, becoming envious sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. Why did he sell Joseph? Because they were envious. They were envy. Envy had started that journey. Okay. Please be careful. That's why God will exalt somebody we least expect in our midst. To test us. In 1st Kings chapter 18, verses 7, of oh, 1st Samuel, 1st Samuel, not Kings, 1st Samuel chapter 18, verse 7 to 9. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has killed, slain his thousands, and David has killed, oh, you jumped the gun, killed his 10,000 his 10,000. And Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him. What displeased him? The saying. Is there any fact behind the saying? No. David killed one. But killing that one was killing is equal to killing 10,000. Because he had all his army was afraid. He killed one. They have ascribed to David 10,000. And to me they have ascribed only 1,000. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And verse 9. And Saul eyed David from that day forward. Okay, this is the problem. The problem with Saul, because he's a baby in the kingdom, okay, who never grew up. He's a very shallow believer. Very, very shallow believer. I'll show it to you. If you go to First Samuel chapter 9 and verse 2. 9 verse 2. Okay. And he had a choice, and a handsome son whose name was Saul, and there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulder upwards, he was taller than any of the people. I'm telling you, every man and every woman who is like this outwardly are usually very shallow. Very, very shallow. Who put so much prominence on their outward looks and outward features, who invest so much in that. Why was he chosen? Because the Gentiles wanted a king, no sorry, the Israelites wanted a king like the Gentiles, and when they look at the Gentile kings, they were all like tall, handsome, big-built guys, and this was the choice. And he's very shallow, people who focus, women or men, who focus on their outward, okay, you need to look good out. Now you're outward, but that should never be your focus. If that is your focus, he can promise you, you are shallow inside. You are shallow inside. It's a very dangerous place to be. Very, very dangerous place to be. And that's why he's chosen. And that's why the, the, the people love him. Very shallow. It's all about himself. Very shallow. So even when God rejects him, actually, as a king, the chapter 15, when he's rejecting him as a king, Chapter fifteen and verse twelve. A few lines later, a few moments later, God is going to reject him as a king. What is written? So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Yeah, God is going to reject him, and he has already built a monument for himself. That's all, shallow man. That's the child. The child. It's for the child. It's all about. Himself or herself. The little baby over there is the most innocent being, also the most egoistical creature on earth. Though she or he doesn't know. All our little babies over there. No. Let us imagine a mother with a little baby. The mother has worked the whole day, hasn't slept. You think the baby is bothered? I am hungry, just, just get me my milk. My nappy is wet, just change me. And I am feeling bored, why don't you come and entertain me? The baby is all about itself. And God made the baby that way. You know why? To humble us. You guys who will never humble yourself, get on your knees before your baby. Get on. You will not humble before anybody. You will humble before that little one. Sit there. Entertain it. What are you? See your Amazon. Sit there quietly. Humble yourself. You know? When you go to office, what are you? Three starts, four starts. What do the people say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. Okay, change the nappy now. Dirty your hands. The baby. That's why a lot of men run away from their homes. <laughs> it's a very humbling experience, you know. <laughs> Actually, it's the most enjoyable experience too. Okay. Yeah, they are cute. They are lovely. Okay. Okay. So shallow people, very shallow people, head and shoulders. The head and shoulders, that company was named after Saul. He was head and shoulders above everything. (laughs) Okay? But one day, the dandruff started falling. His inside was revealed. When was it revealed? When the women sang a song. All it took was a song. Inside was revealed. What? What? This boy? This boy? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I checked my heart. I was very happy eight, eight, nine years ago when God showed this boy. I hardly know him. That's the next one. I said, okay, Lord. And every time I preach, I'm very lucky, Lord. It's in safe hands. It is good hands. You made a good choice. I didn't know him at all. And actually, if you knew, he was the one I shouldn't have given to. Because I had a lot of people when the church started who were like my people who are part of my Bible study, who grew up with me in the Lord. He was not. He was on the other side. He was with the other pastor. He came through. He was always talked to him. He hardly talked to me. I hardly knew him. I hardly knew him. I didn't know him. We, did we talk before that? No. He was with the other pastor all the time. But God said, that's the guy. That's the guy. And I know God doesn't go wrong. God doesn't go wrong. And I know some of the others who were like, were with me before, much, much, much before, like eight years, seven years before him, were upset because he was chosen. But this is not my choice. It's got nothing to do with me. Okay? When God picks somebody, it's his choice. You know? And that's what happened over there. You know? Shallow man inside. And then jealousy and murder and hatred, all will come. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. Let's read it. And all my dear brethren, who read, who heard this morning's message, and who are feeling good, because you are not Reuben, I'll make you feel bad. But they're all put in the same category. Everything is put in the same category. Okay? The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, murders, drunkenness revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Go back to ninety. Do you see that? Now if you look at it, Saul did not commit adultery. And he was cut off from the land of the living. David committed adultery. But he finished well. So don't isolate one. Look at the whole spectrum. Whole spectrum. And say, Lord, deliver me from my flesh. That's a simple thing. <laughs> deliver me from my flesh. This is all there. Everything is there. Everything. And there are some words. You know, that sometimes you meet people, which is very interesting. You know, long time back I met somebody. Uh, no, I mean there are innocent people also who sin innocent, ignorantly. That's why God says, seasons of ignorance, I overlook." This is a Christian who has. Uh, it's not married and had sex with many people, and said, but pastor, the Bible says, has nothing to say about it, because the Bible says only adultery is wrong. I said, no, fornication is wrong. And the person did not know the meaning of fornication. And when I said, this is what it means, was shocked, was in shock. And in tears, I've been sinning against my God all these years. And when that person repents, do you think God holds it? No, ignores it. You didn't know. So even the not knowing the meaning of a word can be dangerous in life, in Bible. Okay? So you have to look at the whole spectrum of it, the whole thing. They're all put in the same list. Okay? Rama the Pharisees gave Jesus over because of envy have they always have this doubt was saul in the sanhedrin when stephen was speaking i believe stephen also was a young guy saul was also a young guy and saul was a cat's whiskers trained under gamaliel and stephen was a simple guy picked off the streets and he heard him speak Hear of how he's looking at him going through the entire old testament like standing there and giving it like that, he said, hey hang on i've gone to bible college this guy doesn't hasn't gone to bible college Was it envy that caused him to sanction his murder? Because they put it at his feet. Okay? I don't know. Okay. All these things. That's why he always carries and says, I'm the worst of sinners. Okay? Envy blinds our eyes. And the problem, our heart too. To the goodness of God. The problem with envy is this. The envy does not blind this eyes. That's why Shakespeare calls envy the green-eyed monster. Green-eyed monster is what he calls envy. Envy blinds our eyes to the goodness of God. There are certain things which you have to implicitly, anything you hear about God, that's what I call about faith. Like, you know, I, like I said, how do I read my Bible? By faith. How do I listen to other preachers? By sight. I <laughs> faith and sight, because I can't give the same faith even to my own preaching. I can only give it to God's word, only give it to word, so faith and sight. I have to be very, 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 we don't receive any teaching by faith alone. You have to use your intellect and test it. So, there are, anything you hear about God, revealed about God, accept it implicitly by faith. God is good all the time. Never question whatever happening in your life. Never question your God's goodness. You can question like like Job, where did I go wrong? That's okay. Okay? It's okay. He starts going a little off the edge. That's when God intervened and says, hey, enough. Okay? But never question God's goodness. Because if you question God's goodness, one, two things I'll tell you. Goodness that's all part of His love, mercy, kindness, and His sovereignty. Who to pick and who to take out. Okay. Don't question God's sovereignty. Because people will question, like, I did not get healed. Why not? It's His sovereignty. Sovereignty. Why did this happen? My sovereignty. I cannot explain it to you. One day you will understand. I don't have to explain it. I will have mercy upon who I show. Okay, that's, that's fine. But I will tell you, tell you a secret. You know who God shows mercy? To those who show mercy. That's, that is his law. He cannot, this is, God himself has bound himself by his word. Bound it. So you want God's mercy? Keep showing mercy. Says I will show mercy to whom I show mercy. He will put it like that. But he also says, I have to show mercy to those who are merciful. Okay. So the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God, always factor that into your life. God is sovereign, and in your sovereignty, I have surrendered my body to you. You can do whatever you want to do with it. Okay. In your mercy, I believe in healing, I believe in rapture, I believe in everything. But, I take my hands off it when it comes to your sovereignty. If you think I need to be in an ICU so that you can minister through me to somebody else, it's your call. If you mean, if you will that I should die in such a manner that would bring the onlookers to the Lord, it's your will. Your sovereignty, I will never negate in my life. It's your will. I believe in all the other things. I can escape all these things and I believe in all that, but I will factor that part of faith with the sovereignty of God and they will always go together. Okay. Your sovereignty and second, I will never question your Goodness, even the worst thing imaginable happens to you that doesn't make God bad he's still good, he's still good, and the problem with envy is envy blinds our eyes to both the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God both can you it's it's clear no both the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God okay now who puts Saul on the throne God? So does God have the right to take him out? Yes, yes. yes. He took that sovereignty of God. Should have accepted the sovereignty of God. Lord, like like David. No. You have. Who am I? Who am I? You put me? you making this promise to my house? Who am I? You know? Okay. David said, I was just a shepherd boy. So come on, Saul. He was a shepherd boy. You are a donkey's keeper. I don't know what do you even call it? you can be herd is there, the cowherd is there, shepherd is there. What do you call a fellow who keeps donkeys? Okay, you were a keeper of donkeys, that's all you were. Never forget from where God picked you up. Never forget. Doesn't matter how high you may have risen in life, he picked you from the mire. That's where he picked you up from. The pit of sin and the pit of destruction. That's that's where he picked you from. Samuel, sorry, Saul forgot that. Saul forgot that God made him king. Turn with me, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 3. We stick to verse 18, okay? Chapter 18 and verse 3. Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Okay, Look at it. In his sovereignty, God spoke through his servant. What did he speak through his servant, Samuel. I'm taking the kingdom from you. Okay. What should you say? Yes, my Lord. Yes, Lord. The next thing that you happen is, you see this young boy, he becomes a champion, and the next in line for the throne is Jonathan. The next thing you look over there, and God is doing a supernatural work in his goodness. Jonathan and David have become one. Have become. God is doing a supernatural work out of his goodness. In his sovereignty, he is removing a man, but still keeping him in the throne. He won't remove for a long time. But you will always know, and all history will also know, that I am always good even in my actions. I will keep you there, but I will make the transition very painless if you understand who I am. First thing he does is that Jonathan and David become one. Really, really one. And he takes his robe, his tunic, his sword, everything, and gives out saying that I accept you. Basically, I accept you as the next king. I accept you. If anybody should have a problem with David, it should be Jonathan, not Saul. And Jonathan says, I have no problem. I accept you. Next, 1 Samuel chapter 18. 18. And verse 16. All Israel and Judah love David. Okay? All Israel and Judah. Loved David. So you look okay. My son loves him. The nation loves him. Verse 20. Now we call Saul's daughter, loved David. Yeah, what more you do you want yeah, God, 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 God to do? Yes, 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 okay. Does anybody know God has taken you out of the throne? No. Only Saul knows. Only Samuel knows. Nobody knows. Good. Keep it that way. This is between you and me, Saul. Stay quiet. I'll bring him, your son and he will be one, he will marry your eldest daughter, transition will take place, and when you are ready to hand it over, when I tell you, say that I have chosen my son-in-law to be king, and your son will stand up and say, I have seconded. Nobody would know. How simple? How simple. That's all. Because God is a good God. He doesn't play politics in the court. We make politics in the court. He doesn't play politics. Because his name is at stake. How simple it would have been. How beautiful it would have been. But you know, envy blinded his eyes. There would have been peace in his family. David's life would have been completely different because one thing he did not have was a friend in his life. And Jonathan was that friend who staked his life for his sake. Everything, history of Israel would have been different if this man hadn't been jealous. You know what happens? Jealousy blinds our eyes. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. You can, honestly, you can't have a better deal than this. Because the throne belongs to God. Instead, have envy, hatred, murder, and finally, suicide. Please remember, these are real issues in life. Because many who heard the message in the morning would feel that I am free from the failing of Reuben but you may not be free from the failing of Benjamin's son Saul from the tribe of Benjamin and we killed him and we killed him that's the question God is asking for us tonight no? in Mark chapter 15 and verse 10 He knew. Who knew? Pilate knew. That the chief priests had handed him over because of? Oh, they can wear all their big robes and sound all these religious terms and according to our law, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Gentiles are very smart. <sighs> Especially at top there, they are very good. They saw through all that smooth talk and big talk and religious talk. And you know, okay, these guys are really jealous. So that's why he wanted to ask, What? So jealous about you. You look like a simple, ordinary man. What are these guys so jealous about you? Are you a king? Are you a king? They're saying you are a king. He wants to have a conversation with him. What, what are these guys so jealous about you? You don't look like anybody to be jealous about. You look like a simple, ordinary man. What are you? Like you were saying, he had authority. They had position. And that's what they were jealous of. Acts chapter 17, verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. Some, took, some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set the whole city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Who's there inside? Paul. Everywhere they went, they were very, very jealous of him. Very envious. Why? Because you could not argue with him. He was a trained Jewish preacher. And then he turned over to the other side. Okay, but now he's got his intellect and his logic in place with the gospel. So you try to argue with him, like Peter and all, can't argue. They just have to stand there in the power of God. But with this guy, you can't even argue. He will show from the scripture, tack, 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 that Christ is a Messiah. And they are very jealous of him. And the problem is when he starts speaking, a crowd gathers to listen to him. And they get upset. So you see, envy was working from Genesis chapter 4 all the way. Okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, remember, I can't talk to you as adults, I have to talk to you as babes. What did Paul say? Because you are still carnal for where there are Envy, which leads to strife, which leads to division. It's all envy. It's all envy, envy, envy. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 20. For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I wish and that I shall be found with you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousy, Outburst of Raj saying, when I come to church, please, please, he's saying. Second letter also is writing. All, Corinth Church is full of babes. With gifts. Babes with gifts, it's like, it's like boys with toys. He says, when I come over there, <laughs> come over there. Have you seen boys with toys playing? It's like one has a truck, one has a car, one has a car. Everybody makes a, The other fellow, Mm, that is Corinthian church. My gift, my gift. I have a word of knowledge. Prophecy, 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 prophecy. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Healing, healing, healing. Everybody wants to be number one there. And he says, Oh, he's saying this church. Okay. So that's where it is. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15. One fifteen. Got it. They some preach Christ from envy. There are ministries that are based on envy. You know why they start to prove to somebody I can do better than you. They start a church. I'll prove. I'll prove I can do better than you. And Paul is not bothered by envy. He says, Leave If somebody is preaching Christ, let them do anything. I'm not care. I don't care as long as people are getting saved." But he's saying some indeed preach christ even from our from envy lord have mercy right okay god our hearts ask the holy spirit lord help me to rejoice in the success of another one or when someone else is gifted or or you move me through the hand of man and say step aside for some time should be able to handle it will handle, Saul couldn't handle it. All the people in the Bible, you will know they were, they were killed by these kind of sins. (laughs) See the problem with like, you know, uh, Reuben knew he committed adultery. You're very aware of it. But envy sometimes you're not even aware. Not even aware. Right? Especially if you're wearing green tinted glasses, you don't know your eyes are also green. now like if your if your tinted glasses is yellow, if you have jaundice, the doctor will no, your wife also will no, but then you take array your eyes are yellow you got jaundice okay these are things which are hidden it may not even come out, and the problem is, oh yeah, let's go to genesis chapter thirty seven three and four. Yeah, th- Genesis 37, our, our young man M- made a coat of many colors and verse four, when his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and they could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him. The problem is something left them. When you are jealous of somebody, the peace of God Starts leaving you. You have to be very, very careful. Very careful about it. Genesis, sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The first gift you receive when you are saved is peace. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But when envy comes peace. These are markers. Like I said, you cannot measure your righteousness. Leave that to God. But you can measure your peace. Peace. Righteousness, peace. Sexting mentioned is Righteousness is what he declares. Peace is something which you experience. You have peace. And scripture says they lost their peace. Joy is actually an outpouring of the peace that is within. Joseph was sinned against continuously in his life, but he always guarded his peace. He never lost his peace. People were sinning against him, but he was not losing his peace. Therefore, there was also no hatred in his heart. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, Pursue peace with all people. Peace, holiness with God, which, of which without which no one will see the... When envy comes in and peace leaves, you are not able to see God working in your situations. You are not able to see. The eyes get clouded. You will not see God. You are not able to perceive holiness with God, because you are not able to pursue peace with God, with, with man. Peace is gone, envy has replaced it, and you are not able to perceive holiness or you are not able to experience. Even if God is right there in your life, working out things for you, you are not able to see, you are not able to appreciate, you are not able to praise, you are not able to do anything because envy has clouded your eyes. Okay, That's one of the reasons you need to understand why God says certain things, though nothing may be happening to that person. It is not for that person. It's for you. Pray for your enemies. Bless them. Don't curse them. Why does he say? He says to guard your heart from envy and hatred and murder. Your heart. Your heart. He says, I'm not worried about your enemy. I'm worried about you. You are my child. I'm worried about you. I need to speak to you. I need to move you from step to step to step to step to step. So guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Pray for your enemies. Put them first in your list. Pray for them. God wants to protect our hearts because that's where he stays God is a god who is so humble so loving so kind our hamare virajman hai we will say in hindi how can he sit in that heart which is full of envy that's a devil's throne that's not god's throne are you getting the picture You have to be very careful about what? It takes our peace away. It takes our peace away. Genesis 42 and verse 21. And they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we could not hear. Therefore this distress has come upon us. How many years have passed by? 22. They are still tormented. The guy whom they did it, he's sitting there quietly, he's happy. He's not tormented at all. Even when he sees his enemies, he's not tormented. The feeling in his heart is to help them. 22 years later, they're still tormented. 22, 23 years later, they're still tormented. Are you getting the picture? Who should be tormented? Joseph should be tormented. But he's not tormented at all. In Genesis 40, 15, this is what he says about himself. 40 and verse 15. Indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. Also have done nothing here that they should put me into the... He was 13 years in that state of life. So he was, let us put like, for simplicity, let us say, three years he was in Potiphar's palace as a slave. Then he was thrown into the dungeon. If so, how many years was he in the dungeon? Ten years. years. Can you come out of a dungeon and absolutely have no envy, no torment, no no anger, no hatred, no bitterness in your life? Ten years in the dungeon? If you look at Psalm 105, verse 17 and 18. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And they hurt his feet with fetters and he was laid in irons. This was his actual state. Genesis doesn't talk any about it unless you go with the microscope. The question is, I'm talking to a lot of people, mother, wives who are sitting there, who have been abandoned, who have been widowed. And your life was, like you say, torment all the days. You are married to him or still married to him and all this. Thing. The question is, how did you come out of it? How have you come out of it? Are you still tormented 22 years later? Twenty-three years later, Joseph was not. He was the only innocent one, absolutely innocent, sinned against. He didn't sin against them. And he was in the dungeon for years and years and years. And his leg was in fetters, his neck and hands were in irons. And that's how he lived. But he was peaceable towards everybody. You know why? Because it had no jealousy, no envy, no anger no bitterness, no hatred, because he understood the sovereignty of God and that God is good through it all. No? While he should have been (laughs) tormented. Because people say, oh, you have no idea what happened, I still have nightmares. Joseph had no nightmares. Even in the dungeon he had no nightmares. Others were having nightmares and he was giving them the interpretation. He had no nightmares. He had no nightmares. I have flashbacks. Okay, I understand. God is merciful, but I am saying God will heal you. You have nightmares and you have flashbacks because of the abuse you went through. God will heal you, but God, to heal you, you have to release what you are holding against those who did to you. Release it. Otherwise, he can't let you off. Let go. Let go. Don't hold it this is this is that season in another 10 days it will be resurrection sunday right and the first message from the cross is father forgive them for they do not what is he doing he's releasing them until this day god is answering that prayer of his son if what if he had prayed differently On the cross, this is the son praying to the father. Father, don't let them go for what they have done to me. Let no son of Adam escape for what they have done to your son. All I did was bless them and be good to them. Father, give them double measure. Press down, shaken together, give it. You know what? This program wouldn't be there. Nobody else would be sitting there if that's the way he had prayed. That's not how he prayed. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know. They do not know. That's peace. Everything Jesus did. Everything Jesus did. Because he had peace with God. Peace with man. And you see these guys are tormented. Tormented. They are tormented. That's what happens. Because Jesus said, you know what? I will save you. You leave yourself clean. Not fill it with my kindness, my mercy, ask my, you, the Holy Spirit to fill you with these things and work it out. The other fellow will come out with other ones wicked. He had only jealousy in the beginning. It became hatred, it became bitterness, it became murder, finally it became suicide. More and more wicked ones are coming in because you didn't deal with it. You are tormented. No? Tormented. Joseph loves his father, he loves his brothers. The Bible says in 1 John, there is no torment in love, but in fear there is torment. Look at Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 18. These are the products. Okay, he's envious. He's sitting on the throne with a spear, angry. Eighteen twelve, we saw the other part, right? David goes out, comes back. Now Saul was afraid. Saul was? What are you afraid of this boy? He's serving you. You are the king sitting on the throne. All these are your soldiers. The kingdom is yours. But you are afraid? You are afraid of David. Verse 15. 1-5. When Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. You are afraid of him. Verse 19. Verse 19. It happened at the time when Merav Saul's daughter should have been, no, no, 19. You will see, he, he's just fear, huh? 20? 29. Saul was still more afraid of David. Scripture never says David became Saul's enemy. Scripture says Saul became David's enemy continually because of fear. And the fear came because of hatred. And hatred came because of envy. Well, Saul, David is the most loyal guy in his entire army. Do you see how these things work in our lives? If we don't deal with these things, we'll be caught in the outer courts where there is only forgiveness of your sins. Little children, your father forgives you. Why? You are constantly struggling with these things. I hate that one so much. I hate that one so much. I'm So jealous of me. I have been in the church for so long. Okay. And because he retained his peace through it all, it didn't matter what situation he was put in, He excelled in it all. He excelled in it all. To have a skill in a work is one thing. But to have peace in your work is nothing else. A lot of people do not excel in their workplace, or even if they excel and they come back home, they don't have peace. It's because they don't have peace. They have a gift, but they don't have peace. If it is more than your gift, you should have peace at your workplace and you should have peace when you come back. And it didn't matter where you put Joseph. He excelled and he had peace. He had peace. And that is something supernaturally given by God. But to receive it, that's why in the Lord's Prayer only one condition is put for one of the requests. Father, forgive us our debts As we forgive, full heart said, Pura Dilsa, Pura Dilsa. Okay, because it's an internal condition. Genesis chapter 40, verse 6 and 7. Because he had peace, he could see everything and everybody differently. Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw they were Sad. Sad. So they were sad. If you are a man who is tormented, do you see somebody else's torment? No. He was absolutely at peace. So he came in the morning and saw that they were sad. And he asked the Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, and said, why do you look so sad today? Why do you look so sad today? When you are at peace, you are able to see somebody else who is not at peace. You know why? Because your peace bounces back. Your peace bounces. He says, seek your peace. Your peace bounces back. He saw. He noticed. He noticed. That is why we have to, why do God has put us in all different offices, different places? You can. Never you become a shepherd was the face of your sheep. And then when the service is over, go them quietly and give them one hug. That's all they need. I got you. I got you. I saw it while I was preaching also. I saw your face. I saw you. I saw you. Genesis 41 and verse 16. Genesis 41 and verse 16. What does scripture say? Jesus, see, not Jesus, Joseph. Pharaoh hasn't even told about his dream. hasn't even told his dream. He's going to tell his dream. But what is his answer response? Answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me God. God will give Pharaoh an answer of Peace. peace because I'm a man of peace. He's a man of peace. I have peace inside. So my God will give you an answer which will give you peace. That's why these things, whether it is pestilence, salmon, quarantine, COVID-19, whatever is causing fear. Don't let it take your peace. Retain your peace. Because there is torment in fear. fear. That's why when we began, we began straight with death. End of everything is death. If you are prepared for death, nothing can harm you. There is only one who is the Lord of death. The key of death and hate is in my hand. So if you have peace with him, you don't have to worry worry about COVID nineteen. These are things you have to you have you know it in theological terms, but you have to hear it in faith in your spirit for it for it to become real. Like you know I you know, as a father, got these children, five children, who are technically not walking with the Lord. So you always your worry is there if something happens. Okay. So one of the days God told me, Tell me. Do you love your children more or I love your children more? You have to hear like that to get the answer. Because theologically it is somewhere like a fog in your head. Then it becomes very clear. And you know the answer. He loves my children more than I do. So if anything happens to you, in whose hands are they? Your hands. So so just move on and do what I call you to do. Don't worry about them. Leave it to me. Because if you are a parent, what is your worry about? Children. Children. Can you trust God with your children? Okay. Because if that's what God says, cast your burdens at my feet. Cast it all. Because we need peace in our situations. If it's not our own death, it will be the death of somebody who is very close to us. Right? That's why scripture says there is torment in fear. 22 years later, they are still tormented, even though they think the boy is dead. They don't know he's alive. They think he's dead. He is dead in their minds, but their action is not dead because they have never made peace with that action they have done. Because they sold their brother, they think he's dead, and they have lied and deceived to their father. It's still there. It's never gone. You can cover it and cover it with years and years and years and years of activities and it's still there. And when the moment comes, God brings it back and says, did you see? You haven't made peace with that yet. No. Haven't made peace with that. The Holy Spirit will not only bring into your remembrance what you need to stay say before. You'll also bring into remembrance things that were hidden under many piles of garbage. he will bring it out. Remember that old fairy tale when the king and the queen and they have this one son, the prince, and they have to get him married and they said it has to be a true princess. True princess. Only a true girl princess can marry because he's such a famous prince. So many girls come and the queen has a one way of to find a true princess. She has this bedroom and that girl has to come and stay the night there, sleep there and leave in the next morning. So these, these are these 20 mattresses made of down, soft feather of this thing, soft mattresses, down feather of this thing. At the bottom of it, she's put in a small stone or something over there. Every girl will come from all over the king, sends their daughters and rich men, lords. they all come, sleep and go. One night when it's very raining, one girl comes and says, I also have come. He says, come, 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 change your clothes and dinner and go to sleep. And then in the morning, when she asked the girl, Did you sleep? She said, I couldn't sleep at all. I was turning and tossing. Why, there was something poking me in my back when I was trying to sleep. That thing was 20 mattresses down. And the mother said, this is a girl who should marry. Basically, the story behind the story, the teaching behind the story is your conscience would be so sensitive to become the bride of the prince. That is a bride of Jesus Christ. These are fairy tales we all studied without realizing through it all, scripture was being taught, values were being taught, the kind of bride the church Christ would choose. Okay, so here you are, there is this young man, and there are the brothers, 30 years old or 40 years old, now he is, okay. He could see Pharaoh have answer of peace. Peace. Or in 43, 23. 43, 23. Peace be to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. So I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. What does he say? Whether it was to the, in the prison, whether it is before the Pharaoh, whether it is to his own brothers, he's always a man of peace. He's a man of peace. You see? He opens his mouth, it's always peace. He has peace because he has peace inside. That's what the Bible is talking about. Torment on the other hand, let's look at that verse. 1 John, 1 John chapter 4 verse 18. 1 John chapter 4 verse. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear always involves torment. Okay, did you see? Every time David does something good for him, he's afraid. Because he's tormented. He's not tormented. Tormented. When something good happens to somebody else, are you tormented? Are you afraid? That's what God is asking. Because there is torment in hell. The rich man was tormented. Tormented. You know what torment is? Let's turn to that. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. Luke, gospel according to Luke 16, 23. Being in torments in Hades. He lifted up his eyes. Okay, let me put it across this. This is okay. I don't know if somebody else has said it before. I don't know. I've never heard. I'm telling you. Peace is a taste of heaven you get on earth. And torment is a taste of hell you get on earth. Peace is a taste of heaven you get on earth. Because he's a God of peace. Ultimately everything will be reconciled and the reign of peace, righteousness and peace and joy. Unlimited. Torment is a taste of hell on earth. So all those who are tormented, go to God. Go to God. And people who are tormented, it doesn't matter what happens to them. What happened? When, when good happens, they are tormented. They are afraid. Genesis 48 and verse twenty forty-two twenty-eight. 42, 28. Got it? They are going back. One of the donkeys must have said, It was hungry. They said, okay, let us get some feed and give it to the donkey. They opened the mouth of the sack. What is there? Money. Should be happy, right? Boy, lottery will go. That's not what it says. He said to his mother, brothers, my money has been restored. There it is in my sack. And then their hearts failed them. And they were afraid, saying to one another, what is that God has done to us? You know why? She sold your brother for money. Wow. Sold your brother for money. That's why Judas will go and throw his money there and go hang himself. Money should have made him happy. It was tormenting him because he knew that blood was innocent. It's innocent. They should have been happy. <laughs> See, none of them are imagining that uh, like, no? Oh, thank God. God bless. What a wonderful thing. We got our money back. Oh, they are tormented. They are afraid. They are scared. When they were put in prison, only three days, they were tormented. Joseph was a slave and a prisoner for 13 years, and he was never tormented. Because the work of Christ produces more and more and more and more peace in our lives. And when the work of Christ, envy or something comes in, the work of Christ ceases in our life. It's on a pause button. Pause button. The work of Christ ceases. We are on pause. Salvation has been ceased. Sanctification has stopped. That is why Genesis 37 onward, this is the genealogy of Jacob and John, whose record begins? Jesus, because he is the only man walking in peace there. Father is tormented. Brothers are tormented. Everybody is tormented. One man is peace. So, 30, 13 chapters are about it. One chapter is the illicit affair between Judah. You not illicit poor girl. She was desperate to have a child. He was the one who was illicit over there. Other than that break, everything is else about Jesus. Why? God has put a pause button on everybody else's life. Are you getting it? Funny thing, no? No. Uh, Genesis, okay, it's okay, where it says the famine was very severe in all the lands. Very severe in the all. Okay, 41, 57. Does it have 57? Yeah, yeah, what does it do, right? So all the countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all the lands. Okay. Do you see what God is doing? He is causing famine. Okay, Famine started. Famine started. People started buying from here. Karnataka started buying from Kerala. Kerala started taking from Tamil Nadu. Then it became more severe. So they all shut their land borders. Now they are buying from Karnataka is within. Telangana within. Then Telangana within also is finishing. So finally panic is happening. Only one man has. The whole thing has been orchestrated by God to take everybody to Joseph. It's not written. Uh, all countries came to pharaoh though that's a factual truth but that's not what is written all came to joseph all countries came to, all countries came to joseph in Egypt why why is God creating all these things that people will all go to Jesus who will has the only solution to what is happening nobody else has a solution nobody else has a solution and he's Primarily doing it to bring these tell boys there. Tell men there. They need to be ready. All those who are under the law. For the gospel is first to the oh. Jews. So these ten people have to, under the law, have to be taken over there. Have to be taken over there. Because this is a different picture. Ten is what? Law. Eleventh Joseph is what? Grace. Benjamin is what? The overcomer. Why? You read the entire account and Benjamin will not speak one word from his mouth. His life is entirely hidden in Joseph. He's the overcomer whose identity is merged with Christ Jesus. And when you see him sitting there in order, he has five times more because he's the recipient of God's grace through Joseph. He doesn't have to say anything because Joseph speaks for him. Okay, so pictures are there all in Genesis. And we have to look at those pictures and learn, Lord, where am I? How am I handling this boss you gave me? It's for me too. So there are serious issues of life. People are more worried about what is happening with the coronavirus. (laughs) This is a clash of kingdoms. The kingdom of God is so close. And all creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. So like God told through Moses to Egypt, eat the Passover lamb in haste. And get ready to leave. Meaning, what is the eating of the Passover lamb? It is receiving the completeness of Jesus into yourself. Eat it up. Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. The life of Christ has to become my life as fast. You don't have much time left to grow. You don't have much time left to grow. God says, the work of sanctification is very little left. For the sake of the elect, I shall shorten those days. That means when you shorten the days, meaning we don't have much time left. Oh God, Get ready to leave. Okay. So as I close, we'll look at one more thing and we will close. In Psalm, Psalm 109 is a prophetic Psalm concerning Jesus, but true of everyone. Who chooses the pathway of envy, anger, hatred. Remember that is the way of a child Christian, carnal Christian. These messages are not to the world, it's to the church. Psalm 109 is a prophetic picture. If you are caught in envy, anger, hatred. In Psalm 109 verse 3 and 4. They have surrounded me with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. In return for my love, they are my accusers, but I give myself too. You could say that about Joseph or every saint. Surrounded by enemies, did no harm, but he says, what I will do, I will not defend myself. I will go into my closet and I will pray. I will pray. And if those people don't change, what happens? What happens? In Gospel according to, Epistle according to John, chapter 2, verse 1, what does John say? We'll have to come back to Psalm 109, okay? What does he say? Little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, you have who? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. On the other hand, you are full of hatred and you surround the innocent and you don't come out of it, you don't grow out of it. Psalm 109, verse 6 says, I will pray. And what does God do? Set a wicked man over him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. You don't have Jesus the advocate at your right hand. You have Satan at your right hand. The accuser of the brethren is at your right hand. And a wicked man over you. He's a wicked man. God gives you over into the hands of the tormentors. He's over you. And he's the one on your right hand. Not the advocate. Different advocate you get. Word seven. When he is judged, let him be found guilty. And even your prayer becomes sin. Your prayer becomes sin. You're not praying for sin. Your prayer itself becomes sin. Satan at your right hand side. A wicked man has been, the devil has been put over you. Your prayer is sin. And verse 8, let his days be few, let another take his office. Your ministry is taken away and given to another. Okay. So there are 12 children, let's leave the youngest one out. Jacob has 11 sons, when this story is beginning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This should have come to any one of them. The ministry is taken from them and given to Joseph. He's the youngest. He didn't go to Reuben. He didn't go to Simeon. He didn't go into Levi. He didn't go into Judah. If you go by order. Okay? You're First Samuel seventeen, verse twenty eight. Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and he said, Why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the witness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You know what? Eliab's heart was revealed. What had poor David come there for? With bread for him. Now, you Do, do you know why God overlooked all the seven guys? Because the first one was a picture of the other seven. First one was a picture of the other seven. And Samuel was getting confused. He said, <coughs> do you? Eliab came. This must be the Lord's. God said, no. Shama came. No. Abhinadab. No. Four, five, six, seven. Do you have any more? He said, yes. Where is he? In the wilderness. You know why he overlooked all them and gave the ministry which was meant for when he began? He said, only one son of Jesse. But he gave it to the eighth one. He overlooked all seven of them. You know why? What you see is envy. What you see is envy. So this night, our 14th night, like I said, if you go to John chapter 14 and verse 27, The greatest gift Jesus left with us when he left is his peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Said so I have left you with my peace. Guard your peace in all situations. Luke 11 and 21. I'm coming to my last few minutes. Eleven twenty one. 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Okay. Fully armed. Who is a strong man to whom we can commit everything? Jesus. If Jesus is in control of my life and I have the peace of God and peace with God and with man, my goods are in peace. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. It's in peace. He's in full control. That's why they could do whatever they wanted to Joseph. Nobody could steal his destiny from him. His goods were at peace. Absolutely safe. His life was safe. The devil was faking, trying to take him down and down and down and down. But he went up, up, up spiritually. Jesus told us, you will have much tribulation in this world. But in me, you will have peace. You will have peace. Okay, you will have peace. And these are the things which we need to realize if you go to John chapter 20, 20 and verse 19. First words of Jesus when he came down from heaven after finishing his work. On the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, why did he have peace? He should have said, I was waiting to come back. I want to know where all you go. You all promised me I will come and die with you and blah, 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 all that. I want I to want, come on, come on. Where were you? He's got absolute peace with God and with them. So the first word out of his mouth is peace. Peace. If you come down to verse 21, he says, you know what? I wanted to send you in the same way. Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. How did he send us out? In peace. In peace. And one lesson we learned from Joseph as a big picture of how Jesus walked on earth, you know, is peace. Eight days later, Thomas did not believe. Eight days later when he comes, again the first word he says is peace. Peace, because it's an important marker in our lives. God has locked all the families together. Wives cannot complain, now husbands don't spend time with me. Parents can complain, children don't spend time with us. Everybody has been locked in together. Do you know in many churches in US has opened counseling lines because husbands and wives have started spending time together? Really? Special lines are open for counseling because now they are fighting because they have never been together. The world had taken their time. And God is giving Christian homes, make peace. Make peace. I'm coming. Husbands and wives, make peace. Parents and children, make peace. Time to make peace. Because one thing when Jesus comes, what you need is peace. You will all land up before, we'll all land up before Joseph's chair in the hour, hour of famine. And what happened? Ten of them did not have peace. Benjamin was sitting there quietly and eating nicely. Why? He had peace. He never sinned against Joseph. Never sinned against Joseph. So he had peace. Others were all scared to go back. Benjamin had no problem. When his father said take, he didn't say anything. He was not afraid to go. And he sat there. He had no, no fear of Joseph. When Joseph revealed, I am Joseph, the ten brothers were petrified. They were afraid. Not Benjamin. Benjamin was not afraid. He had nothing to be afraid of, because he had peace with God. Peace with God. You know, and that's what God is talking about during this season. This is not entertainment time. This is very serious business. God is telling us: make peace, make peace with people. You need. and this is not an emotional thing. Ask God to show you. Don't make stupid um, outer court peace. With people you shouldn't make peace, give them time to repent to come because like you have to be wise like the Father. you know sometimes people hear a message like that and they jump and go, no, let God speak to you. God speak to you because with some people you step forward, you go to God and says, Lord, I hold nothing against that person, I am free and leave it at that because sometimes you jump ahead, you block their restoration. You block their restoration. So this is not an emotional thing. But the problem with outer courts people is that everything they read with emotions first. And they goof it up. Goof it up. Absolutely goof it up. You have to be very, 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 very clear about it. These are things of the spirit. The spiritual man judges all things. So let the Holy Spirit judge your things and let him tell you how to do it, who to do it. When to do it? When he does it, you can remember the power of God is working not only in you, in them too, because there will be redemption that take place. But even if redemption doesn't take place on that side, still you need to realize. Otherwise it will not go. You can live under Jacob, Joseph, you can eat, he have his protection, your flocks can grow, you can prosper, but the minute Jacob dies, they all come, they are still afraid. Please, please don't kill. They think it is Jacob that is holding holding them back. That is why Jesus told his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. He says, Jacob and I are the same. Our heart is the same. We both love you the same way. Jacob, Joseph is a picture of Jesus over there. It's as if no, the father is not there. Jesus will kill us. Jesus is saying, I and the father are the same. Our heart is the same. So these pictures get it together. And work these things together. Otherwise, what will happen? We will waste this period God has given us. It's the most, if for a believer, this is one of the most beautiful times God has given us. Absolutely. Beautiful time God has given. Stay together. Spend time with God. Spend time with your family. Make peace and when you come out, you will come out as a very peaceful family. Peaceful families and peaceful individuals. Whenever the block is over and we gather in church, it should be a different experience because people have come in peace. And the, God, what the Bible says, the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. It doesn't say the God of power, the God of might. The God of strength. He says, no, Satan wants to rule over you. And you give him this doorway through envy, jealousy, fear, all oh, hatred, all oh, bitterness, everything. Instead, throw all that out. When peace comes in, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. That is why the gospel is a gospel of fear. The sandal is there because when peace comes in, Satan is under your feet. So when you look at those names, you have to understand what. And even people. Whom I'm talking to in other countries. You may have gone through unbelievable abuse. And truly wicked, evil men and women were you involved in your abuse. I'm talking to all those who came out of the circle. Right now I'm speaking to all who came out of the circle. The masters are evil men. Evil men. They join hand in hand with the demonic. And they were demon possessed, and the kind of things they did to you is unbelievable. Even Joseph did not go through that. But let go, forgive them, let go, because you need peace. You need peace. And pray for them. And I don't know their names and all that. I don't want to know their names too. I don't want to know, but I know how they function. They have dragged, dragged you into the dungeons countless times and made tortured you so that you would obey every whim and command of theirs you are used like a chattel i know what happens i have never been there never been part of the circle but god in his mercy has shown me all the stuff that happens over there many of you have come out but let go let go you need peace with god you need peace let go forget them let go god will deal with them and you need to know many 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 masters have come out they have come out. You also have to ask forgiveness from God and ask forgiveness from others, if you can. It's better to die peacefully. So It's to you I am speaking. All the others make peace with each other, and live in peace. Shall we pray? Father, this evening we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You are the God of peace. And that peace was possible only through Jesus. And Joseph was a type of Jesus in the Old Covenant. Innocent, sold, imprisoned for no guilt. Yet he came alive and prospered. But you died. You died for our sins. You died. You paid the price. Joseph could have never paid the price for our sins. No one could have. Only you could have. So, Father, now I pray for every one of your children in their homes, wherever they are. I pray, Spirit of God, you would bring to their remembrance the things they need to let go of. You are not somebody who heals your bride lightly. You don't do that. You want a spotless bride. A blemishless bride. It's no wrinkle. You will do everything to make her that way. And I pray you would bring to the remembrance of your people, Lord, during these days, everything they need to let go. The bitterness. The anger. The hatred. Because the day of judgment is very close Very, very close. Closer than anybody thinks it's very close. And there isn't much time where the heart keeps hardening. Mm. I pray, Father, as a church, as individuals of the church, people will let go and keep their lives very, very simple. Simple, Lord, very simple. A life of peace. And pursue, without pursuing peace with man, we cannot pursue holiness with you. Because you said that in your word. If you come to me with a gift, and you know your brother has something against you, he's hurt, make peace before you come to me with your gift. Before I can pursue holiness with you, I need to make peace with man. That's the order you put. So if you do not love your brother whom you can see. How can you say you love God whom you cannot see? So I pray, Father, each one of us, your children will get these pictures and put it into practice. And there will be even more deliverance that will take place. Deliverance that will take place. And I speak peace into every life. I speak your peace into every home. And I pray the peace of God will come to India one day. That this nation too will be set free from blood guilt, Lord. And they will know the peace of the gospel. Now we take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We bind every power of darkness operating over your children. Take your hands off. For the God of peace will crush your leader, even Satan under our feet. And all you demonic entities, snakes and scorpions, we crush you under that feet. The God of peace has given us that authority. Leave God's people alone. And let there be peace and joy unlimited in the homes. Let them truly, truly experience the peace of God and the overflowing joy of God in their lives. And then let there be spontaneous worship in everyone's life. For they will really know from deep within, God is good, and he's good all the time. Thank you, thank you, Father. Be with us the rest of the night. We just surrender ourselves, our families, our children, our churches, everybody into thy hands, O oh Lord. Be with us and go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.